Okay, Mike, appreciate you taking the time no for a fellow ACC coach, I guess. Uh, thanks for joining me, though. No problem, no problem. Cool. So, Mike, the, the first question that I'm very curious about is, how'd you start coaching? Was it was it for you, or was it something you fell into? No, it was, uh, I had played in college, obviously, and then a short professional career, ruined my knee, I tore three ligaments in my knee. No, it wasn't. It was at a time, uh, I'm sure my age, that uh, you don't come back from those things. Yeah. The doctor did the surgery, read me up, and basically said he wanted to look for something else to do. So it was a career ending injury. And I had been very involved in politics uh, growing up and, and thought I might want to go to law school. Interesting. And I was lying in the hospital bed and I realized that I had seen most of a good part of the world. All of my best friends that I made were either high school teammates, college teammates, professional teammates. The yeah. game had given me a lot. And, uh, and my mom's a teacher and I decided that I'd be a teacher in short pants. Yeah. That's, uh, my mom's a teacher as well, so I think, you know, I hope I'm getting the side of the teaching side of her by, by coaching. But uh, what, so, what was your first? What was your first coaching job? <laughs> well, at, at that same time, I called my uh, my old college coach, Ron Keechan. I had left Middlebury, which is where I went to school. To okay. School. Yep. And, and Ronnie was up at the University of Vermont at that time. Midkid, isn't that? Isn't that what I, we call you guys? Mid-kid, right. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, I, yeah, you could call me Midkid. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so Ron was up there, and I had helped him in the off seasons a little bit. You know, okay. In, in, in the beginning of the preseason before I had to go on the camp and all the rest of that. And, uh, and he just said, well, you know, it doesn't pay a lot, but come yeah. up and, uh, <laughs> and be my assistant coach and yeah. maybe start grad school. And so that's what I started doing. So I was up at the University of Vermont. I was there for three, four years. Yeah. With Ron. And, uh, <clears throat> got an opportunity to uh, to go to Wheaton College mm. in Massachusetts as the head soccer and lacrosse coach and so many other things. Nice. You were a lax coach. Did you have a, did you have a background in lacrosse as well, or was it something that they just, at the time, that was what the position was? None other than some of my best friends in Middlebury were lacrosse players. Yeah. So I, yeah. I, I had some ideas, and uh, and one of them happened to be the lacrosse coach at the University of Vermont at the time. So okay. He was one of my college teammates, college close mates. And, yeah. And we went, uh, and so Jeff was very involved in the game. And, and you know, at that time in D three, you coached two sports, so you've got two responsibilities. Right, right. And they had coupled the across the soccer program at Wheaton, which ironically had just gotten co-ed. Uh, so it's a single sex female college, and I was the first male coach. Oh wow! Men on the campus, which was an interesting dynamic. Yeah, that is. Um, very, how did? How did I mean? How did that work? Like when you were coaching lacrosse, do you th- and do you think that experience has almost helped? Shape you into a coach is doing something a little bit uncomfortable, I guess, if you will. I, yeah, I think it is. I think it, you know the teaching process. Yeah. And, and teaching something that you're not a hundred percent comfortable doing yourself. Yeah. I, I think forces you, like you said, out of your comfort zone into into in, in really looking into how you can effectively let other people in on ideas and learn from. Yeah. And that it's leading to, right? And that's the main thing is that that how do you how do you lead young people? Uh, you know, when maybe you don't have the credibility. Sure. Uh, playing back. So, so how, how'd you go about doing that? 
what were some of the things that you did? I called you up a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I said, I said I, you know, I can pick up a, I can pick up a ground ball, but, you know, what are the exercises and what are the drills right. that I need to do and, and make sure we focus on and, uh, and other people, right? And that's, right. that's what we do is we have a, uh, we have a network of friends and pages. And, right. And I had other people from Middlebury who had been involved in the game and were Stuff. So I, uh, you know, you just reach out and ask for help. Yeah. And, uh, it was really fun. It was a really good experience because of, the cross players were on campus for like six months before the right. actual season had gone on, and you know it was a very different dynamic in terms of them and the, yeah. and the soccer players. So it was fun. So what would national championship coach Michael Noonan tell the first time we had coach Michael Noonan now? Listen. Listen. Listen to a lot of people. Yeah, you know, taking a lot of information, and, and uh, I, I think that that's that's probably still maybe one of my weaker points is, is that you know, I'm more Type A person, and personality, sure. and a lot of times, you know, I get an idea in my mind, and, and I'm going to work harder than most to make sure that idea comes to fruition. But yeah. many times, you can you can get there quicker. Other people sell, I feel, listen to it's interesting, yeah. That's uh, that's funny. I had uh, Steve Davis, who's the technical director at FSA Connecticut, and that was his big thing is just listening to, to your players and making sure you actually understand them and what they want. Because if I'm not mistaken, coaching is just a whole collaboration type of type of thing, so it's you know, I'm hoping to understand your players and in turn, they you know, you get the most out of them that way. So, sure. and, that's, and again, last year in the national championship year, right, it, that was. Really listening to the leadership of that team and listening to those players because they had experience. Yeah. And when things did get hard, we, I think we lost a pit in the last game, back to back games in the middle of the season. Me listening to them helped me hold my nerves as a coach. Yeah. Right? And make sure that we're still on the right path. Yeah. And what they had to say in their response to that first time. Right. What was special about that national championship group? Like, what went into that? If you had to, I know it's going to be tough to pinpoint a couple of things, but, you know, if, in terms of a national championship program, what do you think made that team special? Yeah, I think that just said it. So yeah. there's the leadership and development of that leadership and seeing it come closer. Because in 2018, those guys were in the freshmen. Right. And a good number of them. And we were under 500 that year. We didn't make the NCAA tournament. We had that disappointment, and and the fire, you know, was lit then. Right. And it burned throughout their careers. We had disappointments along the way. In 2019, Stanford beat us some penalty kicks to get to the College Cup, and right. you know, in the game that was pretty tilted, one sided our way. Yeah. Um, and and so they they continued to, to, to and that's what it is. It's about the people. Right. But it's just a special group of people who wouldn't be denied what they want to accomplishments. And again, people, I, I can't tell you how many people said, well, you've had more talented teams. You've had, and, I, and I have to tell people that it's a team sport. Yeah. I may have had more talented players, but I have not had a better team. Yeah. Even though I should show a good team. At least it's a better team. What do you think it was about those leaders that kind of helped shape and, and lead that team? In terms of, you know, was it 
just the way they connected with players, with the, they lead by example. You know, how did how important how important is it too to have those players to to help lead a team be an extension of the coaching staff? Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it was watching their growth and, and then actually emphasizing that growth in so many different ones. So I would say that the thing is really the diversity, yeah, of the leadership, their backgrounds, even they were all you know six or seven, eight guys who really led the team. Yeah. Or, you know, some of them were international, some of them domestic, some of them were local. They didn't, they didn't you know, right. understood what it meant to play for Clemson because they had grown up in Clemson, right? Yeah, yeah. And it just spread that that diversity of leadership was something that then had tentacles out to us. Yeah, that makes sense. I just feel like just having this past season at Pitt too. It was just we were a team. Right, we had the girls yeah. lead together and buy in. You know, we necessarily weren't the most talented, but we had a, we were successful because it was a whole team team buying into what we needed to do, and it's special. I mean, it's special, and you can you can see it too. And it's it's just it's it's a fun watch to just kind of. Oh, it is. As a matter of fact, I got to watch your game against Clemson. That was a game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you could tell it's it's a little bit extra. Right. Those teams. No, that's all. We appreciate that. Thank you. But then, no, it was it was a special group. So, win the national championship. What makes it hard now? Because obviously, I think repeating and cons- winning consecutively is the hardest thing to do. But we didn't do it. You're right. Right. <laughs> so I'm saying, what like what were some of the challenges that you faced after coming off a national championship? Well, I think there's a couple of things. Uh, first and foremost, what people don't quite understand the national championship. I've been at this for. 34 years. Yeah. It took me 34 years to win a national championship. I'm not going to be doing this for 34 years. <laughs> right? So you really got to embrace when it actually happened and how it actually happened. And, you know, again, a lot of it had, came down to luck. Yeah. Right? And, and that's what championship teams have on their side. Right. They make it luck. But at the same point, so the expectation from my standpoint, because I was realistic about it, my entire career and what it took to get there was, was pretty miserable. Yeah. And then I just tried to channel into this next team that they are unique in their own life. Right. That they're gonna they're gonna have the same experiences of ups, downs, adversity, and we're dead. Yeah. Um, but the uh, but, but to not put the weight of expectation on others to repeat the right. same thing in the past is something that because no matter what you do it's there right right, right. because because the general public fans sure. the community yeah the soccer community and, and whenever you walk into another arena or they come into your arena to play they are playing the national team right right so and, they're bringing their best and to it's, it's it's going to be there they, they don't necessarily, they're not necessarily playing against the national championship right, team, right, but they're but playing yeah, the national championship. Yeah, do, do you feel that the group this year kind of, I don't want to say felt a burden almost to repeat, or do you feel like they put too much pressure on themselves to try to live up to the national championship again? I think living up to the Clemson standard that was set for them is very different. Okay. I, I think it's really good. Yeah. And that's why I have so so much pride in, in the players that are playing for the Because the standard is so high. Right. And I think 
we have a sense meeting that standard. Yeah. Other than that, again, we have an expectation following our path. And it's not, it's not easy. It's what, what, what is that standard, if you don't mind? I, I mean, it, it, it's surrounded in, in a number of things. Right? You know, we've, got, we've got eight or nine core values that start with pursuit excellence, emphasize education, and that would have been fun. Yeah. Right? And you know, we, we talk about three pillars to our program. The first one is the other side. So what you're doing is you're doing it for people. Right. Other than yourself. Right. Know, whether it's your teammates, the school, the fans. It's, it's, it can't be all about you. Right. right. And so the second one is being self-sacrificing. Because not only do you have to be on the center, the self-sacrificing is different. You've got to be willing to keep up. Yeah. Things of yourself in order to make your teammates up in the team. Mm -hmm. better. Or else it's not a team sport. Right. And the last one is humility. And being able to go through your, go through your uh, the experience, understanding that you are doing something, you're a common person doing something very uh, you know, understanding that that's, that's who you are. Right. And we try to make sure that they understand that this is this is only to, to appreciate the benefit of being able to be healthy right. and be able to play a sport when so much around you is so different. The challenges yeah. around you are so very different. So that's why the last core value is to have fun. Right. If you come to practice and you've got a move on, yeah, I've got no time. Yeah, it's it's bigger, right? Yeah. There, there's a lot bigger than the game. How long did it take you to come up with these core core values, core uh, principles? And are, are you are you constantly kind of refining them? Yeah, I mean, we, we what we do in the springtime is we have our leadership group. Yeah. <laughs> go through that mm -hmm. uh, and go through it in some depth and detail and have to come up with some examples. Either in the past seasons or in their life that reflected those core values. And we asked them, I mean, should anything be added or taken out? And since it came up with those, probably about 16, what came up with that was when I was coaching Brown. And it was yeah. a leadership group of Brown. We sat down and said, okay, well, what's something that would help? Right. What is it that we do? The only one that has changed or been added is was added is during the Black Lives Matter George Floyd as uh, we added race diversity. Yeah. That's uh, that was something that should have been there from the beginning because that's what we are. Right. The games are the game. Making sure that it's not diversity is not a challenge to us, diversity is something we need to embrace. Right. Right. And so that's what I had to do. But yeah, it, it took a career. I mean, I'm a, yeah. I'm a grinder, not a genius. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it's, it's the smart guys in the world that yeah. come up, and that's why, you know, maybe they, they started around because I'm kids. Right. Who, who's somebody that ha that's had a big impact on your career? Oh, jeez. <laughs> um, for sure, Ron McEachin, who was my college coach. Yeah. Right? He was a. Uh, He's a huge mentor of mine. He brought me to this organization, and this organization has a huge impact uh, on me as an American coach. Right. right? Um, in, in growing up in the game, um, it was funny. I saw I saw past coaches. I saw my youth coach Dan Wu. Yeah. Uh, the other morning at breakfast, and, you know, ironically, Pelé died last you know last week, two weeks ago, and uh, when I was a youth player growing up in Westport, Connecticut, I was Dan. Every Saturday, we'd pack up his black Volvo, and we 
drive to the Netherlands and watch me play. Well, that's awesome. And, you know, just I mean, I mean, God winks at you sometimes, and I come down the escalator. Right. My first night, who's sitting right there? Was my was, was Dan Luke, so Yeah. Danny's been great. But probably uh, during my during my collegiate coaching career, probably the person who's had the most influence on it. Sports psychologist, sports performance guy named Bill Besson. Okay, yeah. Featured at this convention yeah, yeah. many, many times. And, uh, he would, I would probably say, is, is uh, he's the mentor. He's so clairvoyant, right? And yeah. I could not talk to Bill for like four, he follows this season, but he doesn't know the ins and outs. I could not talk to him for four or five weeks. And I'll pick up the phone, I'll talk to him about 15 minutes. It's like he's watched every transition. Really? Just, just, just so he can tell from talking to you? Just phenomenal, phenomenal insight, and you know, Bill has never told me what to do. Yeah, but he's always asked the right questions to get me thinking about what's the right path. Yeah, and it's uh, so he 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 turned it a, a number of years ago. You're thinking, and that's what yeah. Speaking of those questions, how often? What what are some of the questions? Let's say. You go, you win four or five in a row, or you lose four or five in a row. What are what are some of the questions other than you know what are we doing right, what are we doing wrong that that you really ask yourself to try to get the best answers? Well, I think most of it has to do with personality and you know where we are with the team in their development as a as a unit. That's you know so you know how are they operating off the field? Right. What's the incorporation of the younger players with the older players? I mean, it could be, it could be anything along yeah. those lines, but it comes down to unity and cohesion is what we're talking about. Right. Because if we can have those elements within our team, right, I don't mean this to sound the wrong way, but the, the tactical side of it, yeah. Generally had pretty well covered. I got phenomenal assistant coaches who speaking to people about it. Hey, you, you wouldn't be presenting here if, if you didn't have it covered either, right? right. So, so it's a uh, yeah. So it's a you know. So from that standpoint, uh, you know, I'm a student of the game as most of the coaches are. Right. Uh, and, and but it's more the I call it the cartilage in the team. Yeah. That Bill and I talk about what ties it together and what keeps it strong. Yeah, it's interesting. It's good to know. I feel like I'm always. This is what this is where I get in trouble. Me personally, where I'll ask myself like too many questions, and I start to overthink, and then I'm like, am I, am I overcomplicating something that could be simple, or, or am I? And then I'll be like, or am I not thinking enough? So that's where I get caught in between. But maybe maybe one day I'll, I'll get out of that. No, phase. for sure. I, I can I can remember to this day. My, I think it was the first team I had the one thing so it's in the round. Yeah. And we played Bruce Arena's University of Virginia. And in the NCAA tournament, I think it was around 16. And we, I gave that team a scouting report. It was unbelievable. Yeah. It was so unbelievable that they didn't understand any of it. <laughs> because right. it was just, it was, it was good for me to know. Yeah. It was too much information for them. Right. And it's all the, well, if this and that, and this player does this, and so, so I learned my lesson too because the yeah. strength is really good. Yeah, my team is paralyzed. Right, right, because they're they're overthinking right about too much instead of instead of like your core value, just having fun, huh? Right. But um, speaking of that, has there ever been a time in your career where you almost doubted yourself? And, oh. Like, how how do you get out of those ruts? Yeah, I, I, I mean, as a head coach, you doubt yourself. Deal. 
Right. I mean, that's just part of it because you're the decision maker. Right. So you're not the person who's giving advice, you're the person who's actually making the decision. And with every decision, right, there is some doubt right. as to whether it's going to work or whether it's not going to work. Yeah. Right? Some are, some are easier, others are, others are more difficult. Uh, and it, it comes down to, you know, when we lose a game, right, or I pick, a, I pick an 11 to, to play in the game, but yeah, lose, yeah. it's my fault. Right. And, and I didn't I, kick a ball. Right, right. right. And, and that's when the doubt starts to end. But if you have, you know, you, you do have to have that, that, that Teflon outer shield that, mm -hmm. that basically says in, in the conference to go, okay, you know, if we have failed, if we have made mistakes, that's a pathway to growth. Right. Right? And so you're going to be better as a result of that, not worse. Right. And, and, and you've got to believe that. You've got to yeah. believe that. Do you ever now is like thinking of the national championship? Like, is that, for you, like, because obviously you were searching for that for so long, once you got it, was it almost like an addicting feeling? It's like, oh, now I need to get another one, need to get another one, or are you almost, like, was it, was it, was it a sense of relief for you, I guess is what I'm trying to ask? You know, a lot of people have asked that question. Yeah. And it's been, it's been the dream. Right, right. right. And, and, dream and when the dream dream comes true yeah right it's like you see at the end of the, i'm going to disney world yeah, so yeah, yeah i went to disney world right and it was an unbelievable experience yeah and yes i'd like to go to disneyland now <laughs> you know i'd like to do it again right. in a different right. way uh, but at the same point you know they say same uh, you know different teams same dream yeah and we'll continue to to pursue that as aggressively as we had the third star on the clumsy press right uh, but it, it, but that's not what fills me personally. Right, it's personally. not what drives you. No, right. seeing guys graduate. Yeah, that drives you. That's yeah. awesome. Watching, watching. Uh, you know, I'm having dinner with alumni here who are now still involved in the game. Right. Know, whether it's at Brown, at Vermont, or, mm -hmm. or, or at Clemson. Yeah. Um, that's what drives me. Is seeing other people succeed. The full circle moment. Yeah. Right. So the last question too, and. This kind of just touched on it, but we can touch on it a little bit more. When you finally do decide to step to a new role, whatever that may be, what's the what's the legacy you want to leave after maybe 35, 40 years of coaching? Uh, I think I think the legacy of the, of the people and the other coaches who have worked with me, and the players. Yeah, I think that's the legacy, the, the immediate legacy. Right. And what they're doing and how they're making the world better for us. And how they're carrying on in their own way and what I've been able to teach them. And, you know, from the standpoint of the game, um, you know, I'd like to consider myself one of the first, not the pioneers, but the first generation of American coaches yeah. who have watched the game develop and grow. Onto the sporting landscape in this country, and right. a very small part of that to happen. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, that sounds great to me. I appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Yeah, Jason, thank you.